We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. That's to take a piss, don't take a shit in the porta potties. All right. Welcome to another edition of the Butting Heads Podcast on Ramstalk Radio. I am Steve Barrow. As always, joined by Johnny Gomez. Johnny, it, it's kind of crazy to say in a game where one of the most important pieces on our team got injured and is going to be out for a while, but that was still a very relieving victory for the Rams and a very fun Sunday of football. You know... When Witt, because don't get me wrong, I was celebrating because anytime you can take any opponent from the NFC West down, especially this year, it's a huge accomplishment. And the Seahawks for the longest time was the team to beat in the NFC West. And now it's a mystery who is. Sorry, guys. Siri just started yelling. Damn Siri. (laughs) Yeah, no, um. There are clearly three very good teams in the NFC West uh, who have been varying degrees of inconsistent, and there probably would be four very good teams in the NFC West if uh, the 49ers roster just didn't implode with injuries this year. But yeah, I mean, clearly going to this game, you would say the Seahawks are the favorites in the division. We all felt good because like us, they have flaws that are exploitable, and you know we... We exploited some of them, not really the ones that I expected to be exploited to win this game, but um, yeah, it it felt great. It was a great divisional win, our first of the year, only our second divisional game of the year, so it's not like, that's not a huge panic thing, but um, yeah, it was a great win, and we'd be in first if not for uh, one of the truly craziest fucking things I've ever seen in that Arizona and Buffalo game. (laughs) They're calling it uh, the the miracle, and uh, I don't know how much of that you give credit to Murray. I mean, you can't not give him credit, of course, because he did do a hell of a pass. 
But, uh, my God, I think you have to give, like, 80% of that to DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he literally took the ball away. Yeah, it, it's it's a big 20%, though, for Murray, though. Like, he made a play there. Obviously, though, like, I don't know if there's another player in the NFL that catches that. Like, that was, that was unbelievable. Yeah, literally any other receiver in the league, I don't know if that, if that's caught. Uh, kudos to to uh, the Cardinals because that was a hell of a steal, and it, it it almost seemed reminiscent of when the Rams lost to the uh, Bills because the the Rams lost in a similar fashion. Uh, maybe not as iconic as that, but um, certainly lost in seconds, just like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that was something, man. And play it. it's going to be interesting, like talking about the Cardinals when we get there, because they they're all over the place this year too. But clearly, a good team. Uh, Kyler Murray clearly is the real deal, and they got DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of peanuts. So, I mean, yeah, they're they're trending in the right direction. It looks like we were wrong about Cliff Kingsbury. I'm not fully ready to go there yet, but we'll. We'll, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But uh, hey, let's talk about this win, man. Um, a twenty-three to sixteen victory for the Rams. Now going into this game, and if you listen to our podcast, or even if you haven't, even if this is your first time, uh, which first of all, welcome if that's true. This is a game where the Seahawks clearly had a really bad defense and a really good offense. And one thing I said was like. A ten to seven victory for the Rams would be a little more alarming to me than a thirty-five to thirty-two loss for the Rams. But this was a, as I mentioned, twenty-three to sixteen, and a, a a pretty good game offensively. We'll we'll talk about that in a minute. But you, it starts and ends in this game with the defense. You're going against a Seattle Seahawks team with one of the best quarterbacks in the league and one of the best quarterbacks of the best last decade, one of the best receiving cores in the league, one of the best young up and coming receivers in the league and just a dominant statement game from this Rams defense. They, they sacked Russell Wilson. I I'm six times. Uh, and that, that's an elusive guy who also ran the ball eight times for 60, 60 yards. So they were in his face all day, which I mean is tradition when Aaron Donald plays against this guy, but three sacks for Leonard Floyd, you know, it was um, two sacks for Terrell Lewis. That's in one sack for Michael Brockers. I mean, that's, we've been waiting for this all year for these guys and they've stepped up occasionally, but like to truly step up in with Aaron Donald, who's going to get all the attention and all the pressure from the defense and in a big way and in a big moment from Leonard Floyd, who hadn't been terrible this year, but really was pretty underwhelming having his best game of the year. And Terrell Lewis, who we hadn't seen much of due to injuries, due to COVID, finally back, really got featured in this game and played really, really well. Uh, he, he was very impressive in this game. And uh, obviously, as I mentioned, Michael Brockers too getting a sack. This is the kind of performance we needed to see from these guys. And, you know, what? however you feel about the Seahawks offensive line, this is a quarterback who is is hard to sack like it's not easy to get Russell Wilson in the backfield and this was just a a great performance from from them and we'll get to the secondary in a second but we really needed to see this and it's gonna be really encouraging and this is uh correct me if I'm wrong maybe maybe, depending on how you feel about Buffalo this is probably the best offense we've played all year they are I have these numbers where did I put them Going into this game, they were the highest-scoring team in the league and the third-best offense in terms of yardage in the NFL. We held them to their second-worst yardage game of the year, and it was their lowest-scoring game of the year, first time they scored under 20 points all season. So, uh, like I said, we'll get to the secondary, but we got to praise this this pass rush, man. We finally got, like, a full-blown game from guys, and it wasn't like, like, no disrespect to Troy Reader. Him getting three sacks was a complete fluke. Terrell Lewis and Leonard Floyd are guys that are here to hit sacks, and it it's awesome to see them do it. And th- this was great, and it really makes you encouraged for what Lewis is going to bring in the future and what these guys can do around Aaron Donald uh, in a pass rush on a defense that's clearly elite and is 
you know, if if we make a run in the playoffs, it's going to be on their back. So uh, absolutely, uh, one of the things that we were kind of hoping to see happen was attacking Russell Wilson because, let's face it, Russell Wilson is one of the most elusive quarterbacks in the NFL, if not the most. Uh, it, for a guy that plays on one of the worst offensive lines, it's it's amazing that this guy doesn't get sacked even more than he does. But he's just that talented. And uh, Steve, I'll, I'll definitely agree with you that this is the best offense that the Rams have played all year long at, for good reason. You know, uh, Russell Wilson alone is enough to enough to strike fear, to be honest. He, he is that important of a quarterback. And then adding in some of the best wide receivers in the game. With DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, we'll get to them in a second. Yep. And, and no, um, no Chris Carson here. Uh, I feel like it needs to be mentioned, but um, I, I still don't think you know if he's out there, their offense might play a little better. But I don't think I don't think it makes or breaks this game. No, not not at all. And and to tell you the truth, Chris Carson is important when it comes to goal line situation, and that's really it. Not to not to dismiss Chris Carson because he is a talented running back, but the way the Seahawks have uh, played their offense all season long, they're pretty much a passing team now, and for a good reason. You know, I I think Chris Carson would have made somewhat of a difference on the goal line, but it, it really they really didn't have that many opportunities either. So would he have? A huge difference? I don't think so. And uh, I, I have to say, I'm really impressed with, with the defensive front in particular. You know, I was expecting Aaron Donald to go off having, you know, uh, quite a few sacks. But obviously, they're, they're going to focus attention on Aaron Donald, which they did. But in the process, they opened up uh, for guys like... Uh, you know, Terrell Lewis and Leonard Floyd. That's exactly what we wanted to see all year long. And Leonard Floyd had kind of a rough start uh, to the season. But as the season has come along, he's he seems to be progressing. And this this was a statement game for him, too. Um, as far as Lewis goes, it, it might be too early to tell completely. But this is kind of what we were hoping to see also because one of the biggest uh, criticisms that Lewis had, he didn't have many criticisms entering the draft, was that can this guy stay healthy? And, you know, this is kind of proving it. You know, if when healthy, he is a force to be reckoned with. And I hope to see his progression continue because this is uh, this is obviously one of the most crucial positions that the Rams have right now. So for him to begin developing that that's a bright spot for the Rams there. Yeah, for sure. It was, uh, you know, I like we can't sit here after this game and say Terrell Lewis is going to be a elite pass rusher for the Rams down the stretch. <laughs> obviously not, but uh, this was the most action I think he's gotten all year, and, and he made the most of it, and he looked good against a, a good offense. Um, yeah, it, it was great to see, and it was really encouraging. But let's let's hit that secondary, man. I mean, like, shit, this was an absolute just statement game from this unit, who we've known is good all year. We've had really high praise, but uh, Jordan Fuller's back, back in the lineup, first time in a couple weeks, and he is not nearly the story. It it's clearly starts it starts with Jalen Ramsey and it ends with Darius Williams. Ramsey tasked with shadow covering DK Metcalf. Now, DK Metcalf is only a second year guy, but it was setting the world on fire in a lot of games this year and was just completely removed from the equation by Ramsey. Uh, he had two catches in this game. Uh bar barely got targeted. They barely even looked his way and that it, like uh, we mentioned this in the past just Ramsey brings that gravity, and uh, while in a lot of times he's not shadow covering like this, this was just a real a real big flex by him to show that like yeah man, 
You want me to shadow a very good, maybe elite receiver in DK Metcalf? <laughs> Fucking bring it on. Two catches for 28 yards on four targets. Like, what a game. And then Darius Williams. Like, holy shit, man. That was that was an absolute statement game from him. Two interceptions, uh, and he had a huge, huge deflected pass in there, too. I just I, I there's not enough words you can describe you can you can say to just praise how important this guy was in this game. He Tyler Lockett when we played them last year, he had that miracle toe toe touch grab in the end zone. Looked like he could have gotten it again in one of these plays and Darius Williams I, I don't remember when this play was, but anyone who watched can remember extends, gets a deflection on it, makes a play. He had a big big interception on a on that pick in the end zone too as well by Russell Wilson, which was a awful decision and throw to Will Disley covered in the back of the end zone. But Williams made the play. And the, he's uh he's gonna be a restricted free agent after this year, so all almost certainly he'll be back next year. Uh he's gonna be huge for us down the stretch and I, we we mentioned it, but even more so after this week gonna be huge next year, assuming they could keep him on a on a tender on a cheap contract and you know, at some point he will get paid a lot of money. I don't know if it'll be from us, but like, man, for for both of these guys, Ramsey is everything we paid for, and Williams is you know if he continues to play like this, uh, next week we're gonna be playing against the best receiving core we'll play all season, and I'm not that worried, which is insane to say, like considering how good that offense is in Tampa Bay. So as far as the I, – I have to mention this before I forget. Uh, pro Football Focus, what the actual fuck did I read when I seen their rating for Jalen Ramsey? Did you see that by no, any chance? No. What did, you give, what did they give him? They gave, I, I forget the exact number, but it was like 50 point something. Oof. I was – I was like, are you serious? Like, yeah, I guess he surrendered two catches to one of the best receivers in the NFL right now. But seriously, a 50? Ah, no, I'm sorry. I don't care what system they're using, but Jalen Ramsey deserves a freaking award for how he covered and shadowed DK Metcalf. I mean, you could see the frustration. Like, he was so bothered and annoyed. And, yeah, did uh, he get a few catches in there? Sure, but did they go very far? Not really. I I don't know. Like, so, I, I'm not entirely sure what's going on there. So I pulled up uh, Cam's article on Ramswire about this, and he mentioned that they only account for plays that cornerbacks are targeted uh when giving out the pass coverage grade so is that what it is yeah so it's it's still dumb uh so that's like when and whenever we talk about pro football folks numbers you got to take them with a slight grain of salt because of shit like this like there's always weird anomalies like jalen ramsey getting a 50 55 i mean the fact that dk metcalf was only targeted four times is a win for him and uh, just to continue with Darius Williams, a 91.7 this week on Pro Football Focus. Career high uh, for him. Like, man. So we get the weird thing from Pro Football Focus on Ramsey, but also uh, a victory lap with Darius Williams. That's kind of the interesting thing you bring up is, yes, uh, Darius Williams is having one hell of a season, but that's partly because of Jalen Ramsey. No team really wants to throw it his way, and that's why Ramsey doesn't have these big-time statistics. He doesn't have uh, that many interceptions, and compared to Darius Williams, he he really doesn't have that many at all. Uh, Williams has been taking all the interceptions, and that's because teams are trying to throw it his way because they don't they really don't want any piece of uh, Patrick or. Wow, I said Patrick. Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> wow. It happens. Yeah. It's been that kind of day. But um been that kind of year. 
Yeah, yeah, <laughs> seriously. But uh, yeah, Darius Williams though is is a special homegrown talent that you can't help but smile about because just seeing the emergence of this guy coming out of literally nowhere, seeing this guy being a roster bubble um, for every year practically throughout his career to making some of the most impressive plays that we've seen all season long, that that uh, deflection that Steve was talking about earlier, that could that not even could have been, that would have been a touchdown pass. And that, could have painted a completely different story to this game had Darius Williams not been there to make that hell of a deflection. Like, there's literally nothing Tyler Lockett could have done in that situation. You know, Darius Williams just made one of the most athletic pass deflections I've ever seen. So, yeah, kudos to both players. They were every bit of part of this victory as any other player on this team. Yeah, it was, um, and that would have been a tough catch for Lockett if Williams didn't get that, but, like, we have the proof that he's made that catch before in tougher spots against us. So, yeah, if Williams wasn't there to make that play, it was a huge play. It was not an easy play. Uh, he, he was incredible in this game. And, uh, you know, this was a big test for this defense, and, and they passed in flying colors. And I, I even, man, I, I <laughs> early in the game, I put out a tweet Shitting on the inside linebackers. Uh, and, uh, what our listeners, uh, Car- Carlo Cachetto, I don't know if I'm pronouncing your name right, Carlo. Uh, he he called me out because I thought I was signaling them out and like uh, kind of just over overanalyzing them. And he might have been right because I'm prone to do that with this group because I have no faith in them. But a decent game by them. A, a decent game by them. And I thought um, there was a play where – uh, Kenny Young was in, like, he was basically in a QB spy, it looked like, or at least what I got from the eye test, and Wilson rolled out. He he had enough room for the first down if he could get by Kenny Young. Instead, he got, like, three yards. He didn't get it, and I'm pretty sure they punted on that drive. And I was sitting there like, hey, Kenny Young, good job, buddy. Uh, so, yeah, this, this group is going to have problems. They're not perfect, but they're not bad enough uh, on their good days to ruin the defense and we'll see next week it'll be a little tougher task tight ends wise uh that tampa bay is loaded with tight ends so uh they kaiser and and those guys are going to be tasked a little bit with guarding guys like gronk cameron Brate. so and, and obviously we make a carson here so you know fournette ronald jones we'll, we'll talk about them later but you know i, I credit where credit is due it, it was an okay game by the inside linebackers i won't uh, i won't rake them over the coals this week as i usually do I, and i want to throw them some props so the thing about the inside linebackers is they were totally exposed on the first drive. Yep. Yeah, that's when I tweeted about it. Yeah. They they I don't think there's any question about it. You know, uh Pete Carroll and the Seahawks saw that that was easily the weakest part of the defense and uh, I I don't think anybody can question that. It it obviously is. So they they attacked the middle of the field, and really, I think the the kudos not necessarily goes to the inside linebackers, which I don't want to be too too much of a Derek Downer on them because it's just not a it it, it does they do deserve some props, but at the same time, I don't know how much of that was the inside linebackers. Or if that was more testament to Brandon Staley's adjustment, because um, that happened really quickly, and they basically forced the Seahawks to look elsewhere, um, and that obviously didn't help them either because they were limited to just just sixteen points. Yeah, and Taylor Rapp got hurt in this game, so it wasn't you know Nick Scott played a bit, but it's not like they could fully just unleash rap in and kind of linebacker coverage role. But yeah, no, that, that first drive was like incredible by Seattle. It was a great drive. And like, I remember I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about like, man, I didn't know Brian Schottenheimer had that in him. And then, uh, we got the, 
Then we were reminded of who their offensive coordinator is, and uh, Brandon Staley really credit to him too. Really did a great job adjusting to to this defense and, or to this offense and just figuring it the fuck out, man. It was a great, really encouraging game from defense. We knew it was elite, or we thought it was elite. We knew it was good, and I think this kind of proved it. And we'll see potentially a harder test next week with Tampa Bay, but we'll, we'll see what they got, man. Let's let's go to the offensive side. Obviously. So I guess like initially, just an initial thought, like it felt good to watch the offense in this game, but I, I still think they left a little bit on the table. It wasn't, it wasn't, I, I just wasn't like blown away in a game where this was a team that has a bad defense, had a little chance to do more, but not nothing, nothing alarming whatsoever. It was just good. Could have been better to me. I don't know how you felt about it. It was fair. Um, I think, actually, uh, funny you mentioned this. Derek and I were talking about this earlier today, where I I think a lot it could have been a much higher scoring affair. I, I think this is where the score doesn't necessarily tell the whole story because I don't know about you, but they're really except for maybe the first quarter. There really wasn't a point in this game where I felt like the Rams were in that big a danger. Even when the Seahawks kind of closed in at 23 to 16, I didn't really sense any danger at all or the urgency for the Rams to kind of score. So I think with the McVeigh, I think he just tried to be a little too conservative to uh, quote unquote respect his opponent. And that has its pros and cons. Obviously, it's the safer route to go. But at the same time, I think it would have benefited the Rams to kind of, uh, you know, execute a little bit more, you know, kind of put that, you know, driving morale into them to get that sense of, uh, you know, dominance. And that's kind of something that the Rams haven't really done all season long. We've seen that more in 2000, uh, 2018, but we didn't really see, we haven't really seen that for the past couple of years. So I don't know if it's just McVeigh wanting to conserve players or just, you know, a different approach, but I, I kind of wish he would have kind of stepped up and, tried to, you know, score more points there uh, just to, you know, encourage the team that that they are a dominant, uh, they are a dominant, you know, team. Yeah, and especially against this defense. Uh, I, I mean, the concern is you turn it over and you give Russell Wilson the ball back, but I, I think it would be worth taking shots. You know, you're, you're playing conservative. You're essentially, I, I'd rather take shots and give them the ball back that way than play conservative and just punt it to them. You know, you're putting the ball in the guy's hands out of their way. So, yeah, but it, I would have liked to see it a little, a little more, but it was it was a fine game. Like, there's not really much to sit here and, and bitch about offensively. And um, big takeaways, we it was, what, week 10? And, Johnny, for the first time all year, we finally got the full-blown – three running back committee cam Akers 10 carries for 38 yards malcolm brown six carries for 33 yards daryl henderson seven carries for 28 yards and you look at the snap splits brown played 23 henderson played or sorry brown played 29 henderson played 23 Akers played 18 so it took 10 weeks to get here but the, we finally got a full true running back by committee something that we have not seen from the Rams in, like, I don't even know since I've been watching them. I've never seen them go this full-blown committee. Uh, and it was it was nice to see Cam Akers play. You know, I, I can't knock him because he had a good game. You know, I, I'm on the record saying I'd rather see Brown get phased out a little bit. Henderson should be playing more. Uh, and we can get Akers in there. But the way this turned out, it's it, they all looked pretty good. All, all three of them looked pretty good in this game. It was nice to kind of see a committee. And like you said, Steve, it was nice to see Brown's role kind of diminish a little bit 
or at least be used as properly as he should be. What I didn't like was McVay's reluctance to use the running backs because you have three capable backs, obviously, and still the the rushing attempts are ridiculously low. You know, I I get that there's a little bit of concern with the offensive line, which we'll touch on a little bit. I get that, you know, these are two younger guys with one veteran that's essentially a third down back. But that's part of the problem is that the reliance on the passing offense is becoming ridiculous because you are limiting your offense when you don't have to. On a third down play, you lose every opportunity of gaining any sort of momentum because your defense because the opposing defense knows it's going to go up in the air. Why do they know that? Because there's no running back in the backfield. That's my biggest gripe out of the whole game. I can look past some of the things that happen in this game, but I, I it's downright frustrating to see a talented running back committee that's just really not being used properly and there are concerns i i get it but you you can't have defenses fearing this offense when they know that eventually jared goff is going to take over this game and that could be a good thing or it could be a bad thing uh considering which jared goff shows up if you have jared goof Uh, like against the Miami Dolphins, then, you know, you have the defenses rubbing their hands together. If you have Jared Goff, then defenses have a problem. But that's the point, though. Shouldn't this be a double-edged sword here? Why is only one side sharp? It's frustrating. It really is. Yeah, and that's really, to me, that's the big complaint about the Rams' offense here. It's just... They're okay, but they should be better. And, you know, it was great to see them get the turnovers down in this game compared to that Miami game, which was a, a fucking disaster. Uh, by the way, Miami, good. Clearly good, 6-3. and three. So that loss has aged well, but which sucks is that they're good, and it could have been a win if we didn't turn the ball over as much. And, you know, like, it's great to see that we're not turning the, game, turning the ball over in this game. But, yeah, it's they just leave things on the table, and, and there's just – because we've seen it with Jared Goff and Sean McVay together. We've seen it with Robert Woods and Cooper Cup leading the receiving core. Like, we've seen this offense be lethal. And we just haven't seen that yet this year. Maybe that's not who they are. Maybe they figured out McVay. I don't know. But it's just, it, it's just, it could be better. And, like, I know he got a screen successful, a successful screen on third and long again which means we're going to get another four years of it, but it's just, <laughs> oh man. Yeah. But overall, I mean, it was an okay day and, and props to Josh Reynolds when he had a big game against Chicago a couple weeks ago, we mentioned that maybe they were just blowing up his value to like a trade him. They didn't. And they're still giving them the ball a lot, 10 targets for eight receptions and 94 yards in this game. He, he's emerging as that third guy. And, no, I, I, I still don't think he's going to be on the team next year. There was a weird quote from McVay, or I don't remember if it was McVay or Snee, but they were like, yeah, we know we can't keep all three of John Johnson, Josh Reynolds, and Gerald Everett. And it's like, you fucking know you're not keeping two of those guys. Like, unless they could get Josh Reynolds back for like $3 million a year. Like, there's no way he's here, which stinks because he's playing great. He had a really good game, really good game here. They're only keeping one of those guys, clearly. And They're probably I, keeping none of them, realistically. Yeah, I, I'd be amazed if they keep any of them. But realistically speaking, if they keep any of them, it'll be just one. And I am hoping and praying that it's John Johnson. Yeah, I mean, unless like unless there's just straight up no market 
for Gerald Everett and Josh Reynolds, which I doubt. And they could just bring them back on cheap contracts. And like, sure, yeah, I mean, why not? There's continuity is important. You can keep Josh Reynolds for two point five million dollars a year. Fuck yeah, he's great. But I don't think it's gonna happen. I think there'll be small markets for both those guys. I mean, look at look at the contracts that not great like tight ends were getting last year. Like Austin Hooper got like nine million a year. So I mean, I'd imagine Everett can find like four, and I don't think we should keep him for that. Uh, we have other holes to fill, but yeah, big day for Reynolds. Uh, all the receivers looked okay. The bit. <laughs> come to think of, come to think of it, uh, even with the receivers last year, look at how much Golden Tate got. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I, I like. I don't. If, if somebody's gonna give Josh Reynolds like at least six million a year, I feel like. Um, oh no question. Yeah, he, he's clearly okay. And there's teams that don't have receivers that, like, like Washington has nobody next to McLaurin. Like, I could see them. They're going to have money. They're probably not getting any huge free agents. Maybe they'll just be like, hey, Reynolds will give you $9 million for one year or, like, 12 for two, something like that. Uh, yeah. The, uh, receivers and cornerbacks get money by the dozen. By the dozen. Is that even a real fucking thing? <laughs> <laughs> So we obviously the big news offensively in this game, and you know, we can kind of transition into the coming weeks. Andrew Whitworth, what what was the full diagnosis? Torn MCL and something else, not an ACL tear though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let me pull up if I can pull it up. It doesn't matter. Torn MCL, and I think something else, but they thought it would be a torn ACL. That was a big concern. It wasn't. Sean McVay said he doesn't expect it to be season-ending. Whitworth's going to go on the IR, but that only means he has to be out for three games. I think he'll be out for longer. Probably won't be back until right right around the playoffs. So if you're a longtime listener to this podcast, you know how Johnny feels about Joe Noteboom playing left tackle. And, well, man, we're about to see it in action. And in his defense, a pretty good game against the Seahawks. Stepping in, he's he's been playing guard this year mostly. I, and to be, you know, being used as a guard mostly, being asked to step into left tackle, probably the most important position on the offensive line for our best offensive lineman. He played well. You know, it was, it, there's not a ton to take away. Next week we'll have more of a clear idea if he gets a full game against a really good defense. But he looked fine. We'll see. The You have to expect the offensive line to take a step back without Whitworth. I think you just have to hope it's not a huge step back and that Nopum and the rest of those guys can carry the ship. Now, also, you got to know if Nopum just comes out and sucks. We have Bobby Evans. He played pretty good at tackle last year. You can sub him, and he, he had a brief cameo in this game when David Edwards came out for a play, popped in at guard. So it is nice that we have some depth at offensive line and the guys that like even beyond open, we still have Evans back there who played for us last year, did a great job against Khalil Mack when, when called upon. Um, but I I'm cautiously optimistic that we'll be able to get by with nope in this position. And this, these will be big games for him. Uh, he's going to earn, he's going to earn some money in these games if he plays well. And if he doesn't, he's probably going to be back up for the rest of his career. But uh, we'll see. It was at least a good start, and it's a bummer that Wits hurt, but it is good to know that they don't expect it to be season-ending. Um, it's looking like it's looking more and more likely that because there's seven teams in the playoffs this year, the Rams would really have to collapse to to get knocked out of the playoffs with the way the teams behind them are playing. So we should have Whit back for that run, but I, I'm I'm I guess I'm excited to see what Nopum's got. It was a good start for him. I'm gonna comp- I'm gonna basically paint a completely different picture than Let's what Steve it. just did. <laughs> okay, so when I saw Wick get hurt, first off, holy crap! I I was actually yeah. afraid that that it was a broken leg. It was fucking gross. Like, it it was awful. You know, keeping in mind that Wit is a six eight really big mammoth of a man and his leg moved like in a way that no big man's leg should ever move so 
Um, the fact that he didn't get a broken leg out of this is nothing short of a miracle or a torn ACL for that matter. Uh, I never actually felt like crying when an injured player happened because, um, you know, and I've seen some pretty terrible injuries to some star players, but man, losing wit was like quite possibly the worst thing that could have happened to the Rams. He wasn't just the Rams' best offensive lineman. He was literally the Rams' best offensive player this year. And that's because he had a resurgence uh, of his career of sorts. Because while he was never a terrible player or anything, um, you know, the past couple of years, you could see him kind of slowing down a little bit. And yeah, he had some mistakes this year, too. But it wasn't that bad. So to see him go down just hurt like hell. Now, to be fair, I do think that Joe Noteboom did a solid job for a guy that just they basically asked him, hey, go play left tackle now. You know, it's not just a matter of just switching positions. You're talking about quite possibly the most important position in the offense. Yeah. And replacing, like you said, the, we both named him last week, the best offensive player this year so far. No, no question. I don't think there's any question. There isn't a single offensive player that could take his place, uh, in my personal opinion. Um, but that being said, no boom did a solid job. Uh, you know, to the Seahawks' credit, they do have some players there. Uh, is it a scary defensive line? Not really. But they'll face much more challenging defensive fronts. Let's put it that way. So it makes me really nervous, especially because next week they have a very underrated defensive line uh, of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So it, I don't know, like I, I've been on the record of saying I don't have a lot of faith in Joe Noteboom as a left tackle, because that was kind of something that the front office, as well as Ram fans were hoping that Noteboom would be the future left tackle for the Rams once uh, Whitworth would retire. I I don't know. Like, I just, I don't see him as a competent left tackle. I do think he could be a solid guard, which he has been on and off. Um, we'll see. I think uh, this is kind of a, a glimpse into the future of whether or not the Rams could trust Noteboom as the starting left tackle. Um, it is exciting in a way because uh, eventually Whitworth has to retire. We don't know when that is because this guy seems to be immortal, but eventually he does. So I don't know. I am very nervous, though. I, I don't have that same ca- um, cautiously optimistic view that Steve does, but I hope I'm wrong. This is one that I can honestly say you can you can throw this back in my face. You can laugh in my face. You can point at me. I don't care. I would be thrilled to be wrong about this, but we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, and it's a, it's a very tough first game for him against Tampa Bay, who is uh, – we'll talk about them just in a second here, but we'll see. You have to, you have to expect the offensive line to be a little worse next week, and I hope Jared Goff is mentally preparing for that because they weren't good last year, and he wasn't good as a result. So, like, he needs to be better when the when things aren't going as well for him and we'll see there's gonna be a big test for him as much as it's gonna be a big test for the offensive line but you gotta hope that it's not a huge regression you know when you lose your best offensive tackle and like we said our, their best offensive player this year you're gonna take a little step back at least and hopefully it's just a little one uh and they could get by it's to torn MCL and PCL, I looked it up grade three tear for any doctors out there that means anything to uh it they, they timeline is six to eight weeks. 
So I guess at the earliest it would be week 16, which is against the – I lost my page. Not the Jets. The Jets are week 15. I know that because if you're in fantasy leagues and you're doing good and you need defense for the playoffs, look at pick up the Rams because they get the Jets in week 15. Um, but, yeah, man, we'll see. And this is obviously going to be a, a really tough task for them against Tampa Bay. I think this too would be a nice time for McVay not to be so reliant on the passing game and give the ball to the running backs, please. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Johnny, careful what you wish for because Tampa Bay is the best offense against the run in the NFL this year. Yeah, that's they've given up two two games of over 100 yards on the ground. One of them was 101 yards on the ground. Now (laughs) you could count that as under 100, but it's against the Giants, so we should absolutely count it as (laughs) over 100. Um, But they did they get the pack when they played the Packers? Did Aaron Jones play? Because I know he missed a game. No, he did play. So they they played against decent running backs. I mean, they got Aaron Jones. They they played against Denver. They they played against the Saints twice. Uh, first game they actually did a good job against them in the run. Second game they didn't. They, they haven't been like it's a, like I mean I'd say they haven't been playing good running backs, but they played against Alvin Kamara twice, and they played against Aaron Jones. Uh, and pretty clearly, two of the, two of the best running backs in the league. This is, and I don't say this lightly, it may be the most bizarre just team we've seen in years for a contending team. Like, imagine if two years ago I told you that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers would have Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, Leonard Fournette, and on their practice squad, Josh Rosen. Like, it's just the, the and Adamican Sue, and Jason Pierre-Paul. Like, it's just the most bizarre collection of talent and all all these guys, I mean, not Rosen, obviously, but the rest of them, they're playing good football. They're, they're, they're having a good year. This is a, like you said, an underrated defense. Statistically, they have the best rushing defense in the NFL. They they give up the third, they have the third lowest yards per game in the NFL. Or Tekken. Te- what? Tekken? <laughs> I love Tekken. We're, se- <laughs> we're second uh, in that. And man, I just threw out my old die. We're we're second there, but uh, this is a good defense. And you mentioned that defensive front; they're a little underrated. Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, and uh, former Ram Nadamakan Sue. And if you remember our game against the Rams last year, it was one of the strangest football games I've ever seen. What was it like, fifty-five to forty-one? They beat us. Uh, Mark, that was the last Marcus Peters game that he had in the Rams uniform. That was memorable. But I mean, shit, man! Like they're they're seven and three, and again, they're a really good team. But at the same time, they lost thirty eight to three last week to the Saints. Like they're just all over the place. They've lost to the Chicago Bears, and they shit on the Packers, and then had a uh, had a close encounter with the Giants. So it's. They're just such a weird fucking team. I, I don't – there's no other way to put it. And they, I, I caught the tape of their game against the Panthers this week. It was a really decisive win. Looked good defensively. Had some lapses. Gave them some points. But yardage-wise, they looked good. Um, and offensively, they looked great. And, I mean, you you talk about how, how good we played against Seattle's receiving core. I mean, this is a whole different breed. I mean, like, they just got handed Antonio Brown. Like, if only somebody else signed him – just so that he didn't end up in this team. You you have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, already one of the best, if not the best, duo of receivers in the league, and you add in Antonio Brown, who after two games, I don't, he's, he's not peak Antonio Brown, but he clearly still has it. He's clearly good, and they're going to use him involved. Then you add in their running back duo of Fournette and Ronald Jones. I think Ronald Jones is playing really well. Fournette's playing okay. Um, but as a duo, that that's a pretty formidable backfield. You factor in Rob Gronkowski, who is coming back, had has had a really 
really decent string of games in recent weeks. They still have Cameron Brait. Uh, I <laughs> like OJ Howard's still floating around, but Gronk and Brait are the guys that are going to play. It's a good thing we passed the test against Seattle last week because we would be shitting bricks if they looked bad in this game against Seattle uh, going into this offense. Now, Tom Brady is he's not as good as Russell Wilson this year, I don't think, but he's still Tom fucking Brady. Like, he can still go. He's proven that he could still go. And this is a very, very good offense and a very good team. And now maybe they'll turn in a, a stinker like they've been prone to do now and then this year. But on their best day... Uh, this is one of the best football teams in the league, and like I'm, I'm glad we're this confident in our defense because they're going to need to play great in this game. And yeah, I mean, I give me your initial thoughts on the Bucks, man. They're a good squad. Yeah, there, there's no question that the the Buccaneers have a very underrated team, despite the many lapses of inconsistency there. Uh, wow, I still. <laughs> like listen, they... listen to this, Johnny. They're averaging 114 rushing yards over the last two games. One of the games they had 210, and the other they had eight. Like they're just so weird. It, it it's beyond weird. They're a weird squad, but that also tells me that they're a beatable squad if the right Rams team is out there. And I think. A lot of it is going to have to do with if they can penetrate the offensive line, get to Tom Brady, you know, get Brady to make some mistakes. Because as we've seen this year, when Tom Brady is rattled, he turns over the ball quite frequently. Uh, I I think there was one game he had, what, like three or four interceptions? He's had some games where he very clearly was not having a good time. And you can tell it. Now, in his defense, he didn't have Antonio Brown. By the way, Steve. Uh, well, he did. He I'm, did not... against the Saints, and he had three three interceptions. Oh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm actually kind of grateful that the Bucks picked him up because there was a very real possibility he could have ended up with the Seahawks. Yep. And yeah. I, I don't know if I want to see Antonio Brown twice a year. No, <laughs> nope. And we would have because we, we we just played him for the first time. Yeah. So uh, it, it's going to be tough. There's no no questions asked. But considering what the Rams have in Jalen Ramsey and Darius Williams, plus you got Troy Hill in the in there somewhere, I, I'm pretty confident in the secondary. Um, it all just depends on if they can pressure Tom Brady. If you can get Tom Brady rattled, this could be a very fun defensive game. And then it becomes on the offense like it usually does. And hopefully uh, Jared Goff can keep his composure and uh, avoid becoming Jared Goof. It's going to be a tall order for the ground game, but I still have a lot of faith in them. I think that the running back, that committee is a good squad. It's just they gotta they gotta get more touches. They really do. And obviously it can't be the only answer. You you gotta get golf out there passing too. I'm not saying to eliminate that, but there's gotta be a balance. There's gotta be a really nice balance. And I think if they can successfully do that, it, it could be a this could be a really good win. Uh yeah, Tom Tom Brady this year, twenty three touchdowns. Seven interceptions. So I mean, he, he's he's playing well. He's uh he's he's looking like the old, not the old Brady, but definitely better than he looked last year. Uh, and you could make the case this is the best receiving core he's ever had. Uh, no question. Yeah, maybe maybe the year where Moss was peaking, but that was primarily on Moss. I mean, this is a damn good team. Uh, I I'm I'm nervous about this game and. But, and it's going to be big for, for playoff seeding. Um, playoff implications, like I said, it, it, like if the Rams take care of business against San Fran, New England, and the Jets, 
they're probably in the playoffs. And I mean, you'd like, obviously you'd like to get one or a couple other more wins in there. You, you like, obviously you'd like to win all these games uh, and win the division, but they're going to, they're probably going to be in the playoffs, thankfully. Uh, and I feel good saying that after the Seahawks win, but this game against the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay has a chance of winning their division. Tampa Bay will be in the wild card with us. A head to head win over them would be huge. Um, now prediction wise, we're traveling to Florida, different climate, um, even though it's still hot, different air. I, I, I'm going to go with a 24-20 to 20 Tampa Bay win, unfortunately. But I think it's going to be a really good game, and I think it could definitely go either way. And I, it's, it's a silly thing to say, but I feel like the team who wins the turnover battle in this game is going to win. And uh, like we, the Rams offense needs to show up. And they need to play well. I, I have full confidence that the defense will show up. But, I mean, if they give up 24 points, it's very feasible that the defense still showed up because this is a really good offense. You have a lot of receivers to cover. Uh, Jalen Ramsey was able to take DK Metcalf completely out of the game in shadow coverage last week. You know, I, I don't know if they have him shadow anybody in this game because I think you yeah, – tell me if you disagree, Johnny. I don't think you'd want – Tom Brady to just not be looking at one of these receivers and just have Ramsey only cover one guy. I think you want him floating around so that you don't know where he's going to be on every play uh, because Godwin's and Evans and and even Brown, like if you completely remove one of them from the equation, there's still a lot of talent to get the ball. Whereas um, with Seattle, obviously you still have Tyler Lockett and some other guys that are okay, but not the same level as, as with, Tampa I I don't I don't think I'd want him to shadow cover anyone it it's hard to say because I think Mike Evans is is a guy that you really want out of the equation this guy is a difference maker I want I want all three of them out of the equation Johnny well of course but realistically speaking if you can get Mike Evans out of the equation, it's it's like I feel like even though Godwin is a talented guy, as well as Brown, even though he's not peak it, um, Brown, you know, I think that's a little bit more manageable than having Evans out there. You know, <laughs> I, I just think he's just too talented of a receiver. Um his only issue throughout his career has been injuries. So I don't know. It, it, it's a tough one to say. And I, I don't envy Brandon Staley in this equation here because man, he, he's got a tough one here. I, I think uh, to, I think to kind of put things into perspective, I think it might benefit to, you know, have Ramsey floating out there. But at the same time, if you can really get out Evans out of the equation, that'd be nice. So I I really don't have an answer. I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how still I'm I'm interested to see how Staley play, plays it in this game. What what do you think prediction wise? You think they you think they take this one? Oh boy, I am gonna say a thirty one to twenty seven devastating loss for the Rams. Oh, yeah. uh, you hate to see it. We both picked the Bucks. Uh, the reason being is because, like you said, I feel like defensively the Rams should be okay. It's the offense I'm completely concerned about, and I think it all begins with Whitworth not being there. I think it's going to make that big a difference, and had Whitworth been there, maybe I'm a little more confident, but even with Whitworth, it it was going to be a tough game. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a tough loss. Um but I'm okay with this loss if it's a close game. If they get absolutely dominated, I will be very sad. 
And, and look, man, honestly, even if they do get absolutely dominated, like we're obviously still going to come on this podcast and be really depressed and shit all, shit all over the team. But they crushed the Bucks, or sorry, they cru- the Bucks crushed the Packers. So it's like good teams still lose to good teams, and the Bucks got crushed by the Saints. So it's like a winner, like a loss in this game would not be the end of the world. We might come on the pod and ask, act like it's the end of the world, but no matter what happens, uh, it's a good team and, and anything goes in, the, in, in these kinds of matchups. A win would be great. A loss is okay. And, and like I said, because of just how the Bears have completely fallen off a cliff and so have the 49ers and i mean you look at the teams beyond at the bottom of the standings like like who who is even else is competing for those spots behind seattle's the 7c right now like minnesota's creeping up i guess like like that's what you're looking at the the teams after seattle they're six and three same record as us we have the tiebreaker because we beat them which is great and like a like i said a win against tampa bay to get that tiebreaker will be phenomenal after but once you get past them it's the five and five Bears, the four and five Vikings, the four and five Lions, the four and six Forty Niners, and then the three and six Falcons, and then the Panthers in the NFC East. So it's it, it's just it's really not a. I just no matter what happens, it's it's okay if we lose this game, but a, a win would be great. And 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 I I hope it's a good game. I hope it's a shootout, Monday Night Football. So uh, if you if you're one of those that only watches the Rams play, you can have your Sunday back. But I, I am excited for this one. Tampa Bay is a fun team. I'm I'm really excited to watch them. We did. <laughs> we didn't talk about the kickers. I, I don't really fucking want to. We have to talk about the kickers. All right, kick kicker talk to end the pod. Kai Fairbain, Kai Forbath. Sorry, there's, there's two kickers in the NFL with very similar names. Injured in this game, like you can't make this shit up. He's on the IR. So the Rams signed Matt Gay to the roster, former Bucks kicker, and. They're probably going to bring, I, I'd imagine they're going to call up Austin McGinnis too and go with two kickers for this game, I guess. Like, I, I don't know, man. I, I This sucks. The kicker situation fucking sucks. Um, in, in every aspect, the kickoffs are bad. We're missing field goals. Uh, Forbath missed an extra point in this game, and now he's not even the fucking team anymore. It's like, oh my God, we're going to be on our third kicker of the year in this game. And before this, we really didn't change kicker kickers for what eight years with the with that with the exception of that brief Sam Ficken experience while Zerline was injured. Now we're on our, our on our third kicker. It's just crazy. Yeah, I never thought I'd miss Sam Ficken so much. Oh man, yeah. He's is it, he is he still the Jets kicker? Did he get cut? Uh... I want to say he's still there, but I'm not entirely sure. I'm about to find out. But, <laughs> yeah, to to come to that low or you say that Sam Ficken might actually be an upgrade, it says a lot. Um, and I, I can only hope that Austin McGinnis is a much better player than Sam Sloman was. Uh, then, of course, Kai Forbath, which, by the way, Steve, Kai Forbath and Kaimi Fairbane, oddly enough, came from the same college, UCLA. So there's, <laughs> Did, didn't so Forbath play for the Texans, too, at one he point? He did. Yeah, I, I always get it mixed up. Like I, I literally thought it was the same player for a brief period of time. And I was like, oh, no, they're not. He actually so he actually did not play for the Texans. That's not true. The man has really? played for 11 te- 10 teams, 11 stints. Like Jesus. Oh, he's the every epitome of a journeyman. Yep. Really? <laughs> I I well, maybe I was thinking of the Cowboys. Uh yeah, he did play for the Cowboys. Um yeah, I, I mean by all accounts McGinnis was better than Ficken and Camp. 
So we'll see. It's just like I, I look. I I know you want continuity with a lot of spots in this game, but like if look if McGinnis sucks, cut him and give Matt Gay a try. If Matt Gay sucks, cut him and bring in somebody else. Keep it going. Like find a kicker that you feel confident for in the playoffs. I don't care if we have a new kicker every week for the rest of the season. Like if a guy is not cutting it. There are tons of kickers who want to kick in the NFL, and one of these guys might be a gem. Maybe we'll find the next Greg Zerline out there. Maybe it's Austin McGinnis. I believe he didn't miss a field goal in the XFL. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure that was like his big thing coming into camp. So I, I mean, I'm at least excited to give him a try, I suppose. Well, you got to be more excited than Kai Forbath at this point. I'm more excited than Sam Sloman, too. Uh, the most excited I've been for a kicker all year we literally adopted the Cowboys kicking problems. That's kind of the sad point. Yeah, that was, that was the trade when we got Greg's airline or when they got Greg's airline, we got all their kicking issues. Well, on that depressing note, Steve got any other words to say words of wisdom for us? That's, that's my line, Johnny. I I've wanted to change things up a little bit because we ended on a depressing note. Oh man! No, I look. I I'm excited for next week's game. It should be a fun game. Potential playoff preview, um, but yeah, hopefully we win. And Johnny, we will actually be back for the post game pod that night. So uh, you'll get us a little early next week, uh, and and our fresh fresh thoughts about the game. So it'll either be a huge victory lap or us just screaming about one football game let's hope for the victory lap yeah all right well we will talk to you guys right after that game on monday uh follow us on twitter at c rivero at johnny found six and at talk rams and give us a five-star review on apple Podcasts if you haven't and we will talk to you then tell sean payton keep talking that we gonna see him soon you feel me As you make plans this season, consider convenient COVID-19 testing from Quest. Get the same test hospitals use without a doctor visit. Simply order online, select from drive through or at-home options, and get the results sent securely to your phone or computer. It's a great fit for your busy life. With over 20 million COVID-19 tests processed, you can count on Quest. So order your test today at questcovid19.com. That's questcovid19.com. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.